In this episode, Ryan and I discuss the parable of the sower and the infinite banking concept. And we had fun doing it. We hope you enjoy. Thank you for listening. Okay, welcome to the Banking with Life podcast. I'm your host, James Nethery. And I'm your co-host, Ryan Griggs. Thanks for joining us. In this episode, we're going to talk about the parable of the sower. Yeah, yeah. So I'll add some background, if that's all right. Well, here, let me add mine first, please. So okay. we're on, yours going to be much more than mine. I showed up without any research. I showed up with a blank tablet. You showed up with 56 years of research. What are you talking about? Okay, thank you. Yeah. No, go ahead. Okay, so. I'm excited. Great topic. Well, I'm thinking about, and there's a couple strains of thought that led me to this point, but one of them was thinking about the book, not becoming your own banker. I mean, that's always there but the big book the one i want to write well not you, that one too let me get there oh, okay okay talking about the one i want to write oh yeah yeah, yeah 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 about capital and all that kind of stuff and you know kind of i'm trying to think about how to properly frame it and and one of the it's like, like how do you approach the subject really because it's like you don't just start by saying well you know Carl Manger and Frank Fetter and their <laughs> textbooks describe capital in a certain way that's different from how other people describe it. And you could start with, there's this article that's unpublished that Manger adjusted his. I could, and it's like, I'm sure capital. to some people that would be interesting. <laughs> you know, I don't know if I would count more than a handful of them, but uh, could be. And so there's that. There's like, okay, what's the right way to approach it? What's the right way to frame it? But then there's also like, what's the what's just the right way to convey it? Like, how how do you communicate? That's a legitimate that? question. Yeah. And the reason I don't have three books published yet. <laughs> well, and and I think it's you know, it led me to think, okay, well, Nelson and becoming your own banker told stories. You know, he talked about the grocery store. Talks about uses the examples. You know, the CD sisters uses. The, the examples of, you know, his uh, nephew, the logger, and equipment financing. Right? It's through stories. It's a sort of oh, and his experience and his what own experience. Right. Right. Yes. And so, okay. So there's all that. Right. All that's going on. And then my in my own little personal interest world, like in um, psychoanalysis and psychology and like uh, Christian symbolism and. Yeah, I, I mean, yes, for sure. I'm, I'm different than the other than many of them. Yes, uh, and but and so I've got you know the Jordan Peterson phenomenon that some might be familiar with. You know, Canadian psychologist Bill C sixteen and all that. Um, and so I've been going down that rabbit hole, and I've kind of seen an intersection of sorts between the identification of like a, a, the necessary narrative structure to reality to how we experience the world uh, and then combined with my knowledge of Nelson and our experience with Nelson and then that third element you know how do I want to proceed with the book uh, and so all of these things have kind of come together and so you mentioned the parable of the sower and Nelson of course has well I'll put it this way Jordan Peterson refers to the Matthew principle right um, to those who have, more shall be given. To those who have not, even what they do not have shall be taken, um, which is embedded in that part of Matthew, in the book of Matthew, where the parable of the sower is. That's where it comes from. Right. And so then you add, like, Nelson has this forestry, forestry background. <laughs> of course, you know. So you see all these various – I know that sounds all very scattershot, but all of these things are kind of coming together. And then you can – you know, I, I started to think <coughs> about um, – you know, what it means when the individual purchases a policy and what they're doing. And and not just what they're doing, like, you know, having conversations, not just their physical actions, but like the meaning of what they're doing, right? The, the actual value, the conceptual value, right? And I think too about how it can be difficult to convey the concept to people who typically we just think in terms of physical stuff, right? We think in terms of wealth, right? Goods and services, stuff mm -hmm. that we can see and touch. And we think in terms of money, right? Federal Reserve notes and sometimes gold coins, depending upon how Austrian you are. And, you know, we, th we think in terms of, <laughs> of physical things, right? And we yes. neglect the abstract is my point. Yeah. And 
you know, Nelson said that the infinite banking concept is an exercise in imagination, reason, logic, and prophecy, and that the most important part was the imagination part, right? Stressing the conceptual. So lots of different strains of thought that are coming together that have led me to think about this parable more deeply. And yeah. I'm, a, I'm a baby Christian, you know, I'm a brand new, so it's not like I have some deep knowledge of Christian stories or anything, but I think there's a lot here that people can relate to and that is helpful for understanding what someone's doing, what the value they're generating over the long term is when they acquire a policy. And I also think it's helpful to think about what goes on in the industry. Uh, and from the from the advisor and agent perspective, well, they're not um, they're, they're not immune to this truth, right? That Jesus taught his disciples mm. and us if we're paying attention. Yeah. So, and I'll and say, I, that, I think wait, I think that that's legitimate. You know, you're trying to you're you're writing a book, and you're not just going to rehash what Nelson has done. Right. You know, which is that in and of itself is legitimate, and. Uh, so I'm just saying good job and the thought process of the infinite banking concept will if you're a Christian anyway will absolutely you know uh, take you to the Bible mm -hmm. there's more about economics in the Bible than you can shake a stick at so I'm just saying the, the analogies the truths in the Bible and the, the analogies that, that Nelson went through Jordan Peterson Jim Rohn, you know, the seasons, mm -hmm. it's it's true. Right. All of it's true. So I'm just saying good job for not just trying to rehash Nelson's work, okay? Yeah, thank you. Thank you. And I will, I'll say this too, and it's, I'm certainly not apologizing for taking a Christian perspective with it, but um, <laughs> like me prior to October 2017 would have – maybe not thought explicitly, but would have suspected like, oh, is this all just, you know, you have to be a Christian and does, you know, why does it always gotta be couched in uh, <laughs> theological terms? And I, my, my point here is like, in a way, it's like, it's not, like I, I we're probably, it's, it's ships passing in the night here I, because it, I think the deeper point is that this is, it's not just Christian. It's not just a, a way of thinking. I think there's a deeper, necessarily true essence that's articulated in the Bible. And that is natural law. Yes. There's you, right. you if you're flesh walking around with your feet on the ground, um, you're you are subject to natural law. Yeah. So to to think that you're exempt is just a fallacy. Yeah. Right. So right. But there's spiritual truth there mm -hmm. as well and i gotta say let me interject here <laughs> years ago um and i don't know how long this is 2020 so probably around 2003 or 20 2004 maybe five somewhere around that time frame nelson nash was holding think tanks right and, and early on he held he held two a year mm. anyway um you'd get you know, agents, advisors from all over the country, you know, reaching out to Nelson or David and, and trying to get this skinny. Should they take the time to go and participate? And what is this thing? Is it a hoax? Is it, you know, a cultish Kool-Aid drinking group of, you know, life insurance salespeople? Um, and I'm saying all that to say, I got a call one time and I was, I think it was about the third year. So it had to be around 2005 or 2006. And, and I've not missed but one think tank since I met Nelson. And, and anyway, this guy called, and he was from the, the Northeast, New Jersey, up there. And, and I love, you know, the New Yorkers, and I know the New Jersey and New York, what y'all have going on is y'all's business. I love you all. Um, this guy calls, mm -hmm. and he's grilling me, mm. right, because. Favorite thing. Oh, yeah, favorite yeah, thing. Yeah, that. please call and grill me. And he's he's like, well, why do why do y'all why do you have to talk about you know God? Why do why do you? I read Nelson's book, and there's so many references to God in the Bible. He's like, are y'all a cult? And and I said, listen, regardless of your religious persuasion, this is the truth about money. Mm -hmm. You know, if you have an issue with God, that's you, right? So, and he never did come. <laughs> <laughs> he never attended. Um, 
anyway, so to me, it also reminds me when I was a young man, <clears throat> I'm probably going back 20, 25 or more years. All right, driving all over Texas, riding life insurance, you know, mail card leads, phone leads, knocking on doors, um, leaving my family with little children, and dang near taking food off the table to, to, to fund this endeavor. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember driving back one time, and I probably shared this story with you. I know I've shared it with many clients that I'm all been out of shape and I'm angry and I'm like, God, you know, why can't I just work with Christians? You know, it's like, you know, why do I have to work with these people, these heathen people? (laughs) (laughs) You know, and for the next, but I don't bring up God. I I typically don't bring up God. I don't bring up religion. You know, these topics that, you know, I don't bring it, bring it up finance in the American modern family today is dang near third rail in and of itself. Right. Okay. Um, in my lesson that I learned over the next six to nine months, every client, every conversation that I had, these people brought up their relationship with God. And then after that, every client that I had already, uh, you know, obtained or engaged with, these people that became clients brought up their relationship with God. So here I am, been out of shape whining, you know, God, why, blah, 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 why can't I do this? You know, and, and then pointing out, I mean, dramatically, persistently, consistently, everybody mm. that I had the opportunity to speak with was sharing their experience with God. So lesson learned. Yeah. Um, if you're, if you want to judge me as being a Christian or, you know, I'm going to talk about God or proselytize you or, or you have a poor relationship with God. My heart goes out to you. I wish you would correct that. Um, but after that, I don't care. Mm-hmm. I don't care. And I think too, there's a, there's just a helpful, it adds structure. Like, so in my 2019 and the 2020 talk at the think tank, like my whole approach to this kind of stuff. And like when you said earlier that I'm an economist, it's like, yeah, and yes, but my, what I really care about is like the philosophy of the science, like how it should be done correctly, you know? Yeah, so the Misesian, Austrian, praxeological method as distinguished from the others. And the reason I like that is because I think it adds structure. Like it, it adds a comprehensive framework for understanding how it all fits together. What? You know, whereas like economics and the mainstream <clears throat> is all splintered and fragmented and compartmentalized. You and mean there's some substantial and substantial guidance, substantial guidance and framework that I can count on, right? And build upon, yeah. And not have to tear down out of self doubt or criticism every time it changes and the wind blows. Let me tell you what. Some another thing that I learned as a young man: you better get your philosophy right. So, I actually said that on the phone with a client the other day. <laughs> and I'm talking about spiritually client. for your life. Well, I said, so, so. you know, what I told him was, because I, I have a specific philosophy when it comes to policy design and maintenance and yep. that I believe comes right out of becoming your own banker. And yep. uh, I've hinted at it in bits and pieces elsewhere. I'm not going to say the whole thing here. It's, you know, I reserve that for people who are serious about it. And anyway, so if someone was serious, we have a very good conversation. And I told him, I was like, you know, my philosophy as my philosophy on the philosophy, like the thing that I think falls out of becoming your, and the problem is I told him is like the philosophy of finance, the philosophy behind becoming your own banker. It's like philosophy and other elements of life, right? Be it economics or spiritual or whatever. And it's like, <laughs> most people don't have one. They don't, they don't. And it's like, I just, so I think it's, because I don't know why, but it's just how I think. It's like I, I want to have a system of thinking about the things that I think about. Sure. And I, it occurred to me a few weeks ago, it's like maybe I need to be pointing that out to people because I don't think that, well, one, I haven't done that, right? And so I'm not sure it's obvious to people that, and be they consumers or advisors or whomever, uh, I'm not sure it's obvious to them that some people just 
don't have a systematic way of viewing these things, right? And certainly in the conventional industry, there's no systematization at all. There's this or that product. It's whatever comes down the marketing yeah, it's, it's corridor. how you know. you're trained or whatever entity that you work with, um, what their you know, objectives are. If they're selling a product or they're operating within one you know, space, particular space in the financial mm-hmm. footprint. Then the consumer, oh my gosh, it is caveat emptor. You know, right. Buyer beware. We're not, we're not educated about money in America. And it's on purpose, in my opinion. I have come to believe it's on purpose. Um, and you look at the narrative that we're all born into and that we're raised in and we grow up in and we operate in, um, you have to question it. And you will question the narrative, the financial narrative, whenever you wake up and you're a complete and utter debt slave. When you're uh, dependent upon a third-party lender in your home or in your business or wherever you operate, in your financial life, when you're dependent upon a third-party lender, um, it's almost required to embrace. That's almost some preparation as we get in, as you get into <laughs> the parable of the sower, the soil. And Nelson used to say that. Listen, whenever you see superior soil, it needs superior seed. Right? And he used to, as a forester, he used to talk about the conifer trees, you know, the evergreen trees, and how they drop seed, the pine cones, um, and if it landed on the uh, pine needles you know it's not really going to work out right you know it's got to touch the soil um and my point being is whenever you go through some financial hardships just like nelson did in his book it's almost required it it, it will it will you can tell i can tell as we engage with people as we speak with clients and prospective clients they're you know if they've got a a great big uh, high credit score They've never had any financial issues at all. They've, everything's gone very well in their life. It's a little bit more difficult for them to get past the word life insurance, right? Why? Because the narrative in the financial world is life insurance is for the death benefit. And every other characteristic is discounted. Mm-hmm. All right, well, you compare that with the guy who you know has $20 million in assets, collateralizing $10 million in loans, um, all of a sudden, they have a heightened sense of awareness, <laughs> or their ears are suddenly open enough that they can hear the truth mm. when it's presented. They're like, "Oh, you can become your own banker." Whenever you're paying five hundred thousand, a million, two million, a million five in interest expense alone, um, you typically don't have a problem getting password life insurance. <laughs> you know, I'm yeah. just saying. Um, yeah. And that can be true wherever you move the decimal point. Oh, no question. Yeah. I'm not trying to throw out big numbers to impress or uh, to berate or to discourage anyone. Right. No, 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 not at all. You can move the decimal. Just go pay 2500 3500 a year in interest expansion. Oh, James, I don't do that. Well, just go through your finances. Mm-hmm. You know, most of America is going broke at three and four percent interest right by rate Mm -hmm. look at the volume 50 55 percent of their income is leaving them Mm -hmm. and going straight to third-party lenders Uh, chew on that for a while and then you may not have the need to call and ask a young man and berate them requiring or asking for illustrations you know and you may yeah uh, find it easier to avoid this construct in the insurance world to compare and beat up each other on illustrations or companies or dividends or whatever. Um, and not whatever, these are over 100, 200 year olds tactics in the insurance industry. Right. Beating each other up for the dividend scale, direct recognition, non-direct recognition, mutual stock. Oh my gosh, it's, it's all noise. Yeah. You almost can't get it off of you. Yeah. Okay, I don't mean I don't want to derail you. No, that's good. That's all legitimate, and you're starting to get into that into the parable. And I, so we had, we had a phone call the other day, and I'm, I was sharing some of these ideas about what I've been thinking, and um, that was one of them. That 
both the consumer and the advisor are gonna it just really like i was saying earlier there's all these threads that intersect and connect together and so like one of the things i talked about in my 2020 think tank talk was the importance of paying your dues and in that context it was about paying your dues and and mentorship being willing to have the conversations and to listen and to take correction and uh, be, be willing to split a commission and all this. It, it, you know, you've said that before several mm-hmm. times and I appreciate it, right? And I think it's correct. Your presentation at the think tank, the think tank, there were 200 and something practitioners there. A lot of them are new. Mm-hmm. They needed to hear it. And and you've released that talk to right. the general public. So right. track it down. We'll, uh, we'll put it in the a link in the bottom of this but um, why, let me ask you why, mm-hmm. why would a practitioner, a prospective agent advisor, maybe they are an agent advisor, why do you think they want, don't want to pay their dues? Why do you think that is, uh, I mean, you were, com- you were compelled, I think, to, to share and to help advisors yes you know i mean legitimately and so you added in there the to the uh, the idea of submitting to a mentor the idea of paying your dues which mm-hmm. is very hard for an egotistically driven financial professional which is i've just covered 100 percent of the financial world including <laughs> myself all right um to listen to and to hear and even to potentially agree with especially if they're like modestly or potentially modestly or very successful, you know, so maybe an individual who's not as successful that doesn't have as much experience or what have you, you know, could, could be more open to that. My, but my question is why do you think people typically want to avoid paying their dues? Because I think they look around and they see a lot of trees. And so they think it must be easy to plant them. I think we're fortunate that, you know, we live in a, a, a developed or, you know, I can't stand the developed versus developing dichotomy, but relatively speaking, the economy is more developed here. And so I think people th- see something like life insurance, which has been around a long time. It's sort of mundane. You know, we it, it appears to be simple, you know, it's just contracts and premium and, you know, Nelson put it in the book and, you know, we see other agents and I, I think that because many people haven't gone through the process themselves, uh, and this is only answering one part of the question, right, for the people who are less experienced, who don't understand what it takes to not only... Uh, attract the clientele, but to properly service them, to design the contract correctly, to use the right language, to adequately convey the concept, to uh, provide continuing support, to to do that, to to provide those elements to different people at different times. You know uh, that that's like everything that's involved there, and then you add all of the various. Uh, consequences of man's fallen condition to it, right? You had some incompetence and some arrogance and all some other things. And it's just like, oh my gosh. Right. So I think there's an education that people have to develop. You know, they've got to learn to prepare the soil and how to properly tend to the seed and how to care for it at the different stages of the life cycle and then how to properly harvest and then to manage and like Nelson as a private forestry consultant you know how to care for the land and generationally right and we don't we don't it's not something that is on our radar it's similar to that idea of capital it's like we don't it's it almost seems silly it's like why would you not systematically purposefully intentionally accumulate financial value over your over your lifetime that's a very good why question. would you not do that that's but it's an like excellent question but we don't even think in those terms well, right? why not because of the because of the paradigm the construct that we live in right and you know and then the idea that saving is savings is bad and these uh 
I want to I want to call them international bankers, but they're not. They're just well, that may be their position. They're just water boys mm-hmm. for the people who really run this world. <laughs> My opinion, right? I mean, and that's what they are: is glorified, overpaid water boys. Right. To come out and say cash is trash, mm. you know, it's like, oh, shut the front door. You know, I mean, why are you trying, if it's so bad, why are you trying everything that you can do to destroy the value of the dollar? Why are you doing that if it's so bad? Is it because it's so bad you just want to kill it? Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm just saying. We walk around in, 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 in every aspect of our life. Right, you cannot, and, and we give this away. It's out of human action. It's like one chapter out of Mises' human action. Mm-hmm. I think it's chapter 33 or chapter 38, the place of economics and learning. Mm. You cannot, and you know, you spoke about economics and, and philosophy. Um, you cannot separate economics from any part of your life. Not one part of your life can you separate economics. And we don't teach economics other than Keynesian or they don't even teach uh, Austrian economics. I mean, why not? You know, that's the best we can do as an education system is not even teach people about fractional reserve banking. (laughs) You know, we can't teach people about Andrew Jackson other than he was a racist who tried to kill every Indian, you know. And and when I was growing up, see, I've got some Choctaw Indian in my heritage, Mm -hmm. Irish, in Choctaw, um, so I'm just saying I'm. Uh, I learned that Andrew Jackson was a terrible individual mm-hmm. in school. The Trail of Tears, right? Yep. Reselling, the, resettling into Oklahoma, and that was only part of the truth. He was a bad guy. No, they hated him because he killed the second bank of the United States. Well, why did he do that? And why didn't you know about that? Why weren't you taught that? You know, tell me, and this getting way off topic, but tell me, why did we have the war of 1812? We just broke away from our former, you know, brethren. Come over here, Mm -hmm. right? We go through a terrible revolution. Uh, Actually, it was great for us, right? Um, And then a mere 15 years later, you know, 20 years, very short time period, we enter into the War of 1812. Why? And I've asked politicians, I never miss an opportunity to ask a politician, right? And to listen to them just ramble, mm-hmm. right? And then, uh, why? why? Why did that happen? Oh, the first charter, the charter of the first bank of the United States ran out hmm. in 1811. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> and it wasn't renewed. Hmm. Oh, and then the White House was burnt down right, in the War of 1812. And they had to paint it white. That's how it got its name, the White House. Why, how, why would I have to be 40-something years old before I discover that, being a student of history my whole mm-hmm. life? I mean, am I just reading the wrong books? I, anyway, I digress a little. It's like... I think there's good points there, but bringing it back to that, the sowing example, yeah. it's almost like if you don't have your own seed, if you don't grow your own crop, well, that might be pretty convenient for the people down the road, right, who do, right? So it's almost as if you, if you don't have your own uh, source of nutrition and sustenance, you become dependent upon others. What, you mean you can't sow what you don't have? <laughs> what, am I, what am I hearing? You don't have any seed? It's almost like the golden rule, right? Almost, yeah, yeah or exactly. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those who have the gold make the rules. So, so, you know, Nelson and I used to talk all the time, you, you mentioned the preparation of the soul. You know, I'm not in control. Uh, well, I mean, I, I, I'm a sower. I sow seed all day, every day. I water all the seed that I can. But I have no control over the sunlight. Right. I have no control over the birds' actions. The I can do some de-weeding, mm-hmm. you know, but I don't want to kill the crop, you know, to keep the weeds out. Um, you know, I can't control the rain, you know, but I do have opportunity. We all have an opportunity um, daily, continually to to water, you know, good characteristics and and right attitude, right actions, and right thinking, and everybody that we come in contact with. So, um, you can either be an example of what to do or a warning of what not to do. Mm-hmm. You know, Jim Rohn. My point is this: that Nelson and I used to talk about forestry all the time because he was a forester. 
talked about soul, talked about seed. We talked about the parable many times. And I pointed out many times that, you know, other than sowing the seed and watering the seed, I do more soil prep than anything. Yes. I'm constantly chiseling the soil. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to break that top layer to get the seed in so it can make some contact with all the nutrients and everything it needs to germinate and grow. So I really spend more time chiseling. That's why I have um, people who don't like me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think there does become a difference because there's, and this manifests in all sorts of ways. Which is very few. I'm just saying most people like me. They just hit the dislike or they have a, a, a unnecessary comment. Right. It's like, I mean, but I, I think they that, can't take the chiseling. I don't know. And I, well, I think that there's a there is a difference between this mentality of emphasizing well prepared soil, you know, a focus on education, a focus on becoming your own on the book, becoming your own banker, on understanding, on conceptual understanding. There's a difference between a focus on that and the people who want that, and then the others who can't force seed in fast enough, right? And it manifests in the selling from the illustration and the click funnels That's and the clicky, uh, clickbaity newsletters and the you know, jumping clean over all of the necessary soil preparation. That is that's required for and how <laughs> it's uh, like this symbolism manifests so like in, in, with such synchronicity. It's so funny the 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 policies that those short sighted advisors put in place have to stop accepting premium earlier than they otherwise could. No question. Right? And they're they're more fragile. They're built with the like the more fragile. They are <laughs> fragile. <laughs> and so it's so it's so true. They're yeah. they're because they've forced what could have been good seed if it was good seed in the first place into soil that's unprepared. Right. The yeah, the, the, you, cro- the crop itself doesn't produce what it otherwise could have can't. and won't last when the sun scorches and the rain comes and, and the cares of the world come and the birds and, and oh yeah, <laughs> all the other financial gurus come along and Yep. Yep. Oh, expects crop, you know, you should burn everything you have and start over and that, <laughs> you know, that reminds me I say all the time, it's like we don't lose clients, you know, they graduate. They don't get mad and quit. Well I had a and this is uh, the 20th, right? I don't know when this is going to be released. A couple of months. Um, and we do that. We do that on purpose to have a backlog so we can consistently release, yeah. you know, yeah. content. I had a gentleman call. No, I got a notice from a life insurance company that, that there's a replacement, intent to replace. Oh. So when you replace life insurance in North America... If, if you make application to a new company and you already have existing coverage and there should be a replacement involved, right? So um, there should be if you're going to replace, right? You don't have to replace to buy. But when you are replacing existing coverage, that insurer must be notified, right? And it gives the agent the opportunity or the advisor to conserve, the opportunity to conserve that business. And so everybody in the industry knows. Convince you not to do it. (laughs) Oh my, yeah. Um, And I have very particular opinions on replacement um, and specifically on types of life insurance Mm -hmm. that, and so we don't walk around replacing life insurance at all. Okay. I got a notice, you know, and and so I'm like Johnny on the spot. If you don't want to work with me, just by golly, call me and let me know, and I'll help you exit the door quickly, right? So these are very rare, right? Um, so I called him. I'm like, what in the world are you doing? He goes, oh, James, you know, it's like, no. You know, I thought through this, and I've seen illustrations. Talk about direct recognition and non-direct recognition. He goes, I don't know. It's like... You know, he got drug into, and I don't, I'm not saying he's innocent. You know, he got drug into this whole process, and the agent happens to be an NNI practitioner, mm. right? So if you're an agent and you're, or you're an advisor, and you're looking at life insurance, and if, and if it's worthy to be replaced or should be replaced, by golly, get to it. But if it's not, and you know it's not, don't replace it. And if you don't know it should be replaced or not, you need to get out of the business, or you need to get... Uh, more education 
And I'm saying that, and the guy's not going to replace <laughs> right at all. <laughs> but uh, he's like, when you go through the illustration, and you, you you know this is an older policy, seven or eight years old. Dividends have come down, right? Mm-hmm. Seven or eight years. You've got it's an unbelievable, properly structured, proper company. Everything was like. I want one Planted of these. the seed. What are you going to go dig it up for? And I'm saying the other advisor, the other agent, you know, and uh, he said James is going to call you. Yeah, you dang right, James will call you. <laughs> um, my encouragement is, and I ask him, the client, I said, look at where you're at right here, the seventh year or the eighth year, somewhere along in there. Um, if the other guy, the other individual, had your best interest at heart, wouldn't he tell you how to improve that? I mean, you're going to rip up seven years so you, advisor, can get paid? Shame on you. Mm-hmm. And that's this is exactly why we don't endorse agents, right? I'm not, am I saying that all the agents out there are bad? No, no, absolutely not. But when I say you should do the right thing, I'm talking to you, individual, and people like that, if you're going to replace something that's going to harm the client or not better their position, then don't do it. And if you need to get paid, if you've got to take actions like that to get paid, maybe you need to go get a job. I don't know. <laughs> All right. And I don't, I don't even mean to rant, but that's a point that – and if I was at the Nelson Nash Institute, wherever I go, I would say that to you, the agent, the advisor. Do the right thing. My God, it pays the best in the long run. Yes. Okay? Yeah. And it helps the client. You cannot go wrong helping the client. My opinion, my experience. So anyway, thanks for letting me share. Well, I've got similar stories. You know, part of the process is to review. If someone comes to the table, wants to start policies with me and and they have insurance enforced, then part of the process is to go look and see and make sure that nothing's going to explode, right? Because, you know, it's okay to lay a second, you know, pair of eyes on something and so oftentimes we'll do that and just you know I, I tell people what they own you know and the nature of the recognition and the the particular you know what the company's like what the you know we review what the I, I oftentimes end up just telling them look you need to go find out this information which they typically don't know right how right. much PUA will the policy accept what's going to happen if you do if you change the uh, premium mode or if you pay it a, you know not on the exact anniversary date which some companies restrict <laughs> right these, those, these little fine print things that yeah. are skipped over and those and so we review that and without fail by the time we've done that they're discouraged they're disappointed. And so we've got to go that back. That they didn't already know that? That or? they didn't know these things, that they right. weren't told to be aware of them, and that it didn't have to be that way. Right. right. And so where we typically end up is I say, okay, look, you know, you need to be aware of what you own. You need to understand all Absolutely. of those elements, yeah. period. And maybe it couldn't, maybe it's not as good as it could have been, but it's better than nothing. And some premium is better than none. And some cash value is better than none. And things are going to work out over time, right? We're just going to make sure that they don't implode, right? That we don't accidentally cause a modified endowment contract, right? right. That we don't pay premium for too long and thereby cause the, right? Various things. We're just going to make, we're going to manage that situation, make the best of it. So you teach them how to manage the asset that they have. Right, right. What a concept. And, and very rarely. What a concept. And very rarely is the right thing to do to replace it. Very. I get people who's, who, you know, they've done, <laughs> they've watched the recommended videos of other channels, right? And so then they know some tax code numbers, right? So they think, well, I, I probably need to 1035 this, this uh, whole life policy I have. And yeah. I haven't, almost never is that the case. Right. It's and it goes back and then because and it's a great opportunity to explain the nature of growth and dividend paying whole life. The costliest time in terms of the growth in the cash value relative to the premium is in the early years. Okay, so if you've already started the policy, if you've already begun paying the premium, almost always, regardless of the structure, you've got through the costliest 
point in the in this life cycle. (laughs) So pour it on. The problem is that's right. The problem so often is that the seed was poorly planted, the soil wasn't tilled correctly. There's no watering going on. And there's no watering going on. And so if you go and you water a, a plant that has not been properly watered before, if it's dried up, if you pour too much on it, you'll drown the thing. Yeah. And so a lot of times people find out that they started this policy five, six, ten, however many years ago, they're through the costliest part of the policy they're starting to learn and now they want to pour on the premium and it's like i'm sorry to tell you <laughs> but the policy okay. wasn't built to accept that yeah right and so, and so there's this whole process of so then that that could be a, a position or a point in time that it's it's better to expand than to replace Right. Right. Okay. And then plant new seed. <clears throat> oh, you mean a farmer can't live or die on one crop in one season? Really? Okay. Why? I bet you have more than one automobile. I bet you have more than one checking account. I bet you have more than one credit card. You know, why does McDonald's have, you know, 40 gazillion stores? Why does 7 Eleven have more than one store in one town? Right. Because it's more profitable. Mm-hmm. It is okay to buy life insurance, right? (laughs) As a matter of fact, is it not only okay, um, you can't learn about the infinite banking concept quick enough. Vet it for yourself. Mm -hmm. Vet it for your own family. Um, The Going back to that situation, a situation like that, you're educating them on the asset that they have what they can do, what they can't do, how it fits into what they're doing, how they can scale it if they wish to or not, mm-hmm. right? Um, did you get paid for that? <laughs> no. Okay. So it's much easier if I'm, you know, living or dying on a sale or a client, and I'm not disparaging income, right? Every Nobody oh. wakes up and does everything you know, out of the goodness of their heart. Everybody, you know, should be compensated for whatever it is they do, okay? Um, I can either spend the time educating you and helping you, right, to do the right thing for your family, the next generation, and potentially the next generation, or I can create some kind of machination of illustrations. I mean, there's third-party software the, the advisor, the agent can go by specifically for competitive analysis, quote unquote, competitive analysis. And then they can and do, they can and they do, do often, uh, just like the illustration, build some kind of machination that'll make you say yes and they get paid, regardless if it's in your best interest over the long term or not. And that, to me, is why the insurance industry, that's just another example of what goes on. Right. And it's a, just another reason why the insurance industry deserves every black eye that they get because they keep hiring these hucksters. Mm-hmm. You know, if one company fires them, they'll go to another company and that company will hire them. Really? Right. And, and I never fail to miss an opportunity to tell the life insurance executives, you know, how I feel. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to continue. And they keep asking me back, so, you know. And the, the consequence of all this is that some people who go through the ringer, either they successfully purchased a policy or they got uncomfortable and exited, they, they become demotivated and discouraged. Sure. And it can become very difficult to, uh, you know, just to for those who have ears to ear ears to hear let them hear you know it, it becomes hard for them to hear yeah and, and but just, if they do hear if you do spend time with them i mean this is i don't know how many times this happens in a over and over and over this type of situation you're bringing them up to speed on what they have it's not the end of the world you know that competitive analysis that's trying to encourage you to replace this all of this time, effort, energy, these resources that you've poured into this thing, three, four, five, six, seven, ten years old, mm-hmm. and some schmuck just wants you to replace it so he can get paid. Oh my gosh. That's why I don't hang around these guys. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, you can once they understand what they have from a different perspective, you know, that this is better than you think it is. It's yeah. better than what you've been told or, you know, been uh 
the diminishing value, trying to diminish the value of what you have. Once they see that, and it's like, oh, yeah, okay. And then it's like, oh my gosh, thank you. Right. And then they embrace it and keep going or add to it or not. Well, because once like, you see and you see, then you to those who have, more shall be given. Exactly. Yeah. And the, the whole thing is if they would have just been, you know, coached, if right. they'd have just been helped to just have a, a sounding board that they can connect with that, that is not like um, completely predicated upon the fact that I've got to get paid. Right. You know? How quickly can I harvest? Oh, right. my gosh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's another. We didn't even got to the harvest, so. Well, I uh, have a point about harvest and and when it comes to policy design, mm-hmm. right? What's the right, what's the correct policy design? I had this conversation just the other day with someone. You know, the, well, the, the <laughs> yeah, know. <laughs> they don't know what they don't know. They don't know what they don't know. I, I tell people, you know, the longer you prepare the soil, right? The more time and effort you spend to improve the nutrition value, Right, the, the deeper you go, right, the, the more time and effort you spend preparing the soil, properly uh, caring for the seed, right, the, the greater the proportion of your total premium that goes to the base, right, the longer you can endure that early illiquidity, mm-hmm. right, the greater the abundance of the harvest will be. Yeah. The higher the lifetime cash value and death benefit will be, right? So it's, so now it's not a question of, and it's not a question of what's the right design. It's a question of what's your time preference? No question. And let me say that I'm not a farmer. Um, I know a lot of really good farmers and most all farmers are really good people, right? And I married a farmer from Nebraska, right? Her family is... (laughs) Farmed in the western panhandle of Nebraska, you know, for over a century. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, salt of the earth people. There is a planting season, and there is a time to plant, mm-hmm. and there is a time to harvest. Mm-hmm. So I respect the statement that if you spend an adequate amount of time, the more time you spend preparing the soil, I, I agree with that but i would say the proper amount of time that's required to prepare the soil but there is a planting season and if you spend you know i've said it many times it's all conversation until somebody writes a check straight from nelson nash Mm -hmm. right okay we can zoom right past the seed time or or the planting season all right and then because i see that too i have conversations almost on a weekly basis James, I read Nelson's book seven years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, sometime. And it's like, it never really made sense to me. I heard you, I've heard you on a podcast, I've reread it. It's like, oh my gosh, I'm ready to go. They blew right past the seed, I mean the harvest, I mean the, the, the planting season, right? And God bless you, I'm just saying that you know, vet it, vet it properly, no question, and then vet who you're working with and their philosophy, right, and listen to them with open ear. If you if you can't, uh, if you don't believe them or you don't trust them, that's you. That's if you've done your vetting, right? right? It's not it's not you, it's not me. I mean, there are 100 hours of videos. You should be able to determine whether um, we're worthy to work with or we can even work together. Right. I mean... So my encouragement is, yes, you have to vet it. Yes, you have to properly prepare the soil, adequately prepare the soil mm-hmm. right, for the long term. But, man, get to it, okay? Don't, don't go through three or four harvests, and you can't even get around to putting seed in the soil. Yeah. Okay, my encouragement. I mean, I think this is a di- – when I started to think of this in these terms, it's like, okay, <laughs> no one's – Nobody's saying this. No, I mean, and when we sat down, see, I'm telling you, my notepad is always <laughs> blank. He stays up for days and writes about it, thinks about it. So he comes here and it looks like I'm ill-prepared. It's okay. You're not ill-prepared I'm just at saying, all. when we sat down and he's writing these notes, I'm like, oh my gosh, we're not going to be able to do You could do a whole series on the parable yeah. of the sower. Yeah. A whole series. I mean, philosophically, you know, uh, your religious beliefs, your spiritual beliefs, mm-hmm. your financial. We're just I mean, talking financial here. I mean, this oh is, my gosh, yeah. 
There's a lot there to unpack. But I mean, that really should be like a next level kind of thing for people. Like the, the whole, we get so lost in the noise. You know, the fish are the last to notice the water. Rates of return. What's the company? The recognition, the stru- what's the right structure? You know, what's my IRR in year 30? I mean, you know, all of these weird, can I see some examples? I'm speaking from an email I got this week. Can I see some examples of some returns? You know, uh, <coughs> or, or, my, or my, you know, my, my wife still doesn't, we're, we're five weeks into the process. My wife still doesn't quite get it. She hasn't really read the book yet. It's like, you know, she just needs to see some examples of sure. some rates of return. Sure. And it's like, and the financial industry uh, is like happy to help her out. Salivating for that. Oh, waiting. Yeah. Yeah. No question. Yeah. Look at your chops. They'll, they'll mail you the, the farming kit, right? Where it tells you step by step everything. It makes it easy for you, you oh, know, yeah. and you just have to, you know, write a little check to pay for that first, you know, <laughs> there's so many analogies that layer over with this. But I think that to think in those terms, it's like, I hope that that illuminates the value of working with someone who can help you see where you are and can craft the policy or policies given your specific situation. And so when people say, when people ask the question, like they, many advisors were at the last think tank about policy design and what's the right structure. It's not, I'm not dodging the question by saying it depends on the client. Uh, That's the, the that is the answer, you know, and and I I have, I think his name's Peter. Peter is one of my top, I enjoy working with him a lot, right? One of my first clients Hmm. from a few years ago, young guy, early twenties, paying substantial premium. And by that, I mean, as a percentage of his income, right? He's, I moved the decimal the, point either way. Right. He right. sees the value uh, and he's talking about his next policy to expand his system. You know, he's continued to do well. And, um, you know, he, I didn't even bring it up to him. You know, he brought it up to me. He's like, you know, what if we don't use that same sort of term writer? You know, what, what, what then, you know, would that be, what's that look like? What's mm-hmm. that cause, yeah. you know? And it's like, <laughs> what a great expansion of the thinking. I mean, that, Yes, you can cap. You absolutely can capitalize more upfront, and things are going to be better in the long term. That's just it. You know, the the advisor, the agent. You know, um, Nelson in his book, and I'm telling you, he said it more than one time. If I rewrote the book, I wouldn't put illustrations in it. They're such a distraction to the consumer yeah. and to the agent yes. advisor. You know, and then because they don't illustrate well enough, you know, the rate of return, then all this third party software has to be used, right, to enhance this, uh, you know, rate of return on your money and your cash flows. And it's like, oh my gosh, how much of that do you want to go through? Right. I mean, the the individual's wife doesn't get it, you know, mm-hmm. referencing earlier, which is very common. Um, how much of that are you gonna ask her to endure Ooh, good right. question. And unless you're a, a um, you know, a numbers person and a spreadsheet person, um, you typically don't want to endure any of it, <laughs> right? I know. I don't. Let me keep that at zero. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! But if you and look, you can all this stuff coming up. Not all of it, but an awful lot of it coming up on the ride on the suggested videos. Um, and I've done my share of presentations, and and I'm not discouraging presentations. I'm over the obfuscation of the power of life insurance and trying to make it look better than it is or, you know, trying to get it. I talked to an individual, a refugee. He called in. <laughs> and I'm a refugee. Um, and thank you for calling. I was so excited. Right. And he's like, James, we're engaged in this process and it just gets worse the further we go. It's not right. I listen to you and it's and it's like you're straightforward not salesy and you tell it like it is and it's like we love the idea we love the concept and we want to do it right that's why you called thank you (laughs) okay but he's sharing with me and i'm not asking i mean i want to know just enough what i need to know right to provide a proper uh solution right and properly designed policies of correct foundation to expand on to whatever it is you're going to do in the unknown future. I mean, um, I want to do my, I want to perform my role correctly and at a high level. And, 
and we do, that he's sharing what the red flags were to him as he's going through, him and his wife are going through this process. Educated, salt of the earth people, um, have done very well, family people, the kind of people that you would like to hang around and be friends with, I'm telling you. Mm-hmm. And that just really described all of our clients, right. all of my clients Seriously. are cool people that you would like to hang around with. I'm not kidding you. Okay. Um, he's like, we build these illustrations, telling us to go borrow money, right? put it in <laughs> to these policies. Um, they're almost like picking numbers out of the air, mm-hmm. right? Just like no relation to income, no relationship to assets or future income, just like a big round number that you can get past a third-party lender to pay a premium. And then in year two, the solution was, well, we have some people in our group right, that will lend you money interest only. So you can premium finance, which premium finance is a legitimate solution in some circumstances, mainly for businesses, uh, not for the individual, okay? Um, it, so ultimately, the, they were never going to repay a loan, ever. And he's like, James, they kept saying we we're going to get 14% return, 14% return. And listening to that and looking at that, it's like it, it all looked pretty good if nothing goes wrong. And I just can't see 30 years, 40 years into the future – and nothing's going to go wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, lowest interest rate environment ever, 6,000 years of recorded history, negative in Europe. We're actually negative today if you really want to look at what interest rates are. In the, okay. And they're going to keep going down for the next 40 years? Interest rates are going to go down? Uh, I mean, I don't know. It's a legitimate question. I would think they, there's only one way they can go over that amount of time. Yeah, so when interest rates go up and you have all those outstanding loans with a direct recognition company, I mean, what's the solution going to be? It's going to be a one heck of a tax problem in the future. But the advisor's already retired or graduated. They've been paid. They're gone. It's you and your children that'll have to, you know, enjoy and reap those benefits of, I can't imagine a million dollar, two million dollar tax bill in one year. Which is I didn't what? even like my tax bill last year. <laughs> it was nowhere near that. I'm just saying, it's like, I love this topic. Everyone in here should go straight to Matthew and, and uh, remember, I know most of you have read it. You probably, you know, most, I think most of the people who consistently listen here are Christians or they are people of faith, you know. Um, go reacquaint yourself more than once with mm-hmm. the parable of the sower. Yeah, it just helps me think so much cl- much clearer about it and add structure and the imagery and the relationships over in the, the time aspect. I mean, there's lit- there's so much there. I mean, we're clear through an hour and haven't even like gone through. <clears throat> yeah, well, let me let me we let go. me go back to the question earlier, you know, the uh, cuz I think it's important. Um, people agents advisors wanting to not pay their dues, mm-hmm. wanting to mm-hmm. take this shortcut. They want to reap a harvest, you know, almost um, artificially induced harvest, right? I want to get as much in as I can immediately and avoid that loss of liquidity. So I'm going to contort the construct of the policy to get as much cash value in year one as possible. And we've talked about it many times. It violates every fundamental that Nelson. All you're doing is taking from the future. That's all all you're doing is removing how much death benefit will go to your kids, how much cash value you'll have available to yourself. All you're doing is diminishing what that could be. Damaging the future. Yeah. You are sacrificing yes. the future of that particular policy, the benefits of which are going to accrue to you and your family right now and your prodigy later. Yeah. So you're sacrificing that to... Uh, be okay with to be able to wrap your mind around putting money into a life insurance policy. All right? And there's no lack of people that will help you do that. Mm-hmm. All right? Because they get paid. God bless them. Whatever. Um, so I understand that. But beyond that, what is wrong with paying your dues? You know, what is wrong with paying your dues? What are the benefits of paying your dues? 
uh, doing the proper research, right, the proper study, not overstudying, not you know dragging it out, missing a planning season, but an inadequate and a, and an appropriate amount of time. You know, when I was young, I'm you know. Listen, I know I say my age all the time. Listen, man, I'm gonna I'll arm wrestle any of y'all, right? <laughs> unless you're weightlifters. Um, going back, I wish I had a mentor. Mm-hmm. I didn't have a mentor, you know, and I, I didn't come up in the whole life insurance industry, and, and probably thank goodness I didn't, because I wouldn't be who I am today if I'd have been exposed to all that earlier. Um, so, and to me, I, I think, and I'm not, I'm just sharing with you and. and we can even cut this out if you wish, but I think that I can shave or help you, and any one young person, anyone, even the clients. I think I can shave like ten years off of your learning curve and our clients. I mean, I I truly believe that. No, it's absolutely true. I'm glad you agree with yeah. me. So if that is true, and say I'm wrong, and I'm only fifty percent wrong, let's say I say shave five years off of your learning curve in the life insurance industry. Was that price too high? Was that too expensive of a price to oh, pay? Oh, no. I, and I tell, because I've got like one or two advisors I work with now. I tell them that I base what we do off of what we've done. And it's like, I, he's lost money. I mean, the, the, there has it's just been a, it's only going to work out for you, James, with me in the long run on a financial basis. Like, I think you've still lost money. And so, I mean, I've done yeah, the- Yeah, we're not counting money, so, you know, whatever. Well, yeah, but you get what I'm saying. I mean, because I've, I've done the opportunity cost analysis myself, which I've mentioned in the past, <laughs> and oh my God. I mean, it's not favorable, you know, because no. there is so much that has to be deconstructed and so much that has to be put in place to teach the- proper farming methods i mean you know proper planting and proper care and the whole paradigm i mean it so it's so now let's and i appreciate you saying that i'm glad you said it because it is true if i'd have had a mentor i'd have shaved off 15 years easy right um and i think about that 15 years to me today at 56 is like that's a lot of time Mm -hmm. you know that's a lot of time Mm -hmm. so if you apply that to your clients my clients prospective clients um there's a learning curve right and once you get if you have ears to hear right and you do your homework and and i'm not talking about the 19 year old individual who just discovered the infinite banking concept and has a you know, a camera in his mama's basement and, you know, goes through a gazillion iterations, you know, of, of money and and cash flows and says, well, there's this old guy named Nelson Nash and, you know, and I just seen it from, didn't read the book and he had a book and, and all I discovered life insurance and then for the last eight months, I've traveled the world talking to the top producers in the life insurance industry and now I've come up with the solution and I'm not disparaging you I know I love you okay and I'm not saying just because I'm old I know everything I'm not saying that right but what I am saying is really (laughs) (laughs) all right yeah so the consumer if you'll read Nelson's two books becoming your own banker how privatized banking really works not his book, uh, Building Your Warehouse of Wealth. A third book that can help is How Privatized Banking Really Works, Bob, Murphy, Carlos, Lara. Um, those are really all the books that need to be read until Mr. Griggs publishes his book or until I publish my book or until we publish our joint work, okay? I'm just saying. You know, I have people asking me about that now, like one out of every few client calls they'll say so y'all got a timeline on that book and, like, and i appreciate that i know we like, make it look listen, easy we're trying to survive a pandemic <laughs> <laughs> there's only so many hours in a day and i work from daylight to dark i'm like a hebrew slave without straw and i'm not complaining i'm just saying uh no not one less brick you know not one tally less so it's not like we're just sitting around nothing to do right all right um okay nelson's I think it's an eight-hour seminar on DVD at theinfinitebanking.org uh, at the Nelson Nash Institute. 
And then I am going to encourage the uh, medium blogs mm-hmm. where, and I'll put that links down there. And then the banking with live DVD and most all of this you can get in the notes. There's links. Go spend your time laying that foundation. Learn that, right? And then spend time on this YouTube channel. That's you, pr- that's proper soil preparation. Absolutely. And you can overwork the ground. You can. You know? And there's diminishing returns, let's put it that way. And they, they come, and there's a time to do the work, prepare the soil, and then plant the seed. And then that seed is going to flourish and it's going to be correct and then the, there's going to be and the value and the benefits are going to last beyond your lifetime yeah. not just in the first year or the first four years or the first six years and i know it's hard to think into the future especially i don't know if it's harder if you're younger or older it's hard for a human being to think into the future mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's difficult it, it hadn't gotten easier for me as i've aged you know when i was young i thought i knew everything but I was still a student, right? Um, and I thought I was learning the truth, mm-hmm. which was very disappointing when you discover, no, you've come up in a paradigm, in a construct, and it was pre-printed before you showed up, boy. Right. So anyway, um, the benefit is substantial. You can't comprehend it. If you're at the beginning stages of becoming your own banker, you have no idea how good it is. And so it's worth it. And I think that parable can help. I do too. Great topic. Okay, great. What else? What else, young man? I'm good. All right. Listen, live free and independent. Peace. (laughs) Bye. All right. Thank you for joining us on the Banking with Life podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to like and subscribe and click on that little notification bell. Otherwise, join us on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher for weekly content.